Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Snake Eye episode of the Behind the Net podcast. Mm-hmm. That's a poker joke. Sorry, just had to get that one out of the way. Episode eleven. There you go. That's episode what that's. 11. There you go. That's what it means. Uh, I'm Michael, your host, and join beside me as always. Matthew. And we've got. Uh, we're going to make this a little bit of a shorter episode. At least we're going to try to. No guarantees. But uh, let's get things started with some big trades that mm-hmm. happened last night. And so I mean, yeah, let's just get right right into it. Um, uh, there's been. Well, we're recording it on Wednesday, uh, Wednesday, February the fifth, uh, right now. So, last night, a couple of trades uh, in two different leagues kind of uh, happened. You know, but the first one um, in baseball, a blockbuster trade, really, between uh, the Dodgers and the Red Sox. So, uh, the Dodgers get uh, Mookie Betts and David Price. Yep. And the Red Sox get uh, Alex Verdugo uh, and uh, uh, Gratterall. Um, and then I think the twins are in there too. I'm just reading it now. I think they get a uh, Kenta Meta. That's a pretty good trade pending a physical, because I believe that that's the only thing that's preventing that deal from becoming official. Mm-hmm. And uh, no, I just want to know your your thoughts on this because it's it's a huge trade. It is a huge trade. I think a lot of people will uh in base like base following baseball came to expect that Mookie Betts was going to be dealt or at least one of him, Chris Bryant, and there was a third player I can't remember his name off the top of my head. Mm-hmm. But like they were like one of those three players that you knew was gonna get moved at some point uh, this off season, and uh, I think it's I think it's kind of surprising that Mookie Betts was the first one to to, to go just because of how valuable his contract is and what how special of a player he was. I mean, like what was it? Not even two years ago that he was the uh, AL MVP and part of the Red Sox World Series championship that is a little bit tainted at the moment. But, I mean, he's a special player. Players like him don't come around very often. I'm yeah. surprised the Red Sox wanted to move him for cash reasons, and uh, this is a huge win for yeah, L.A. Exactly. I mean, everyone's saying, you know, obviously they're saying boss, at first glance Boston lost, but they really didn't because their their intention was to free up cap space, and that's exactly what they did. And on top of that, they got uh, they got some prospects, save money, and they got Alex Rodego as well. Rodego's a really nice piece for mm-hmm. them, especially. I mean, it's not going to make up the value for Mookie Betts, especially at the moment, but he's a really nice piece to have, and uh, that's going to fill up some holes. Mm-hmm. And then, I mean, for the Dodgers, it's it's clear what they're doing. They're, I mean, I don't want to say, but they kind of are. They're buying a, a title right now, and I don't blame them because they they were basically, I mean, two years in a row, they didn't, they didn't, they didn't win the World Series. But also, after you know what's been transpiring recently, they that feeling of basically being cheated out of two um world series championships at this point yeah just 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 win it just win it already just go in and win it i feel i feel the same way too they this is a team that's been in the world series mm-hmm. for two straight years uh they came pretty they lost to the eventual world series championship for the last three years I, I think this team's like okay this is it we need to make a move now and try and get this thing going and you get not only do you get an, an mvp and Mookie bets we also get one of the better pitchers of the 2010s and David Price, who just recently exercised his playoff demons. Like they just were, they lost Ryu and free agency obviously to the blue Jays and they gained back another quality David pitcher. price. And, and again, um, their, their, their pitching uh, lineup is already pretty stacked. Like yeah. this is easily one of the most stacked teams I've seen in baseball in a, in a long time. And their offense is ridiculously I'll stacked. Get to, I'll get to their offense, but pitching wise, I mean, of course you got Clayton Kershaw leading the way. Um, like you said, uh, they lost Ryu, but but now they have David Price, and David Price has his experience cheating or not. He got over, you know, his his little uh, his uh, his playoff hump. 
he got over that curse that people would say. Um, and he's a champion, and he pitches well in the playoffs now. And uh, they can use him. You know, it's, it's, it's a really great piece to pick up. Yeah, especially with the pit, the starting staff being as loaded as it is. I can't remember the names of Tom Help. I think one of them is Rich Hill, and he's still really good at his older age. But, like, they have some quality pieces on their, their rotation. And their bullpen, I f- believe, I think is uh, – I mean, last year was a bit of a weakness for them. But it's it, – I mean, you can't uh, go wrong with having a pitching staff uh, as, qual- as quality as the one that the Dodgers have. And to get to the point about the Dodgers offense, the uh, – Man. Like it's it's gonna be insane. I'm trying to find the the tweet where they kind of laid out, um, but oh. basically just the, the the batting lineup. Um, you know, Mookie Betts. It was already you got talented. Bellinger. You got you got Seager. Yep. You got uh, Turner. You got you just got a whole bunch. Um, they're just gonna go through that lineup. Looks like Murderers like Row is coming back. Mm-hmm. That's that's just ridiculous. I mean, it was already talented enough before they traded for Mookie Betts. But the fact that they didn't even have to give up not even not, not only a quality prospect in their system, but also a key roster player, that's huge. That's huge for the Dodgers. I think I think it's pretty clear to me that the, the Dodgers and the New York Yankees are on a collision course for the 2020 World Series. Mm-hmm. And even I remember when um when everyone you know like just a few years ago when everyone was talking about Mookie Betts and then Corey Seager, you know, when they were when they were just entering the league, um, and now it's crazy to think that they're going to be teammates. On the same team, you know, That's Dodgers. Just, it's it's ridiculous. They were they were regarding them both as like and Bellinger like as the the, the next you know the next uh, stars of the of the of the uh, of of baseball and, and here they are on the same team now. That's going to be a very interesting dynamic, especially because like in the 2018 World Series, the, the big story like for 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 offense was between Bellinger and Mookie Betts, mm-hmm. and that's going to be a interesting dynamic of how they're going to coexist on the same team. But it's going to be a lot of fun to watch, if, especially if uh, you like the way the Dodgers have been playing the last few years. It's, I'm I'm definitely uh, going to be watching closely. Mm-hmm. Um, I guess we can jump into the next trade. Yeah, it was a really um, big trade of historic proportions. It was a very big trade. So um, I'm just going to read off the tweet from uh, Adrian Wojnarowski, who tweeted it first. A wash bomb indeed. A wash bomb indeed. So uh, it's actually a four-team trade, big trade. So um, Houston will be getting Robert Covington. Um, Atlanta's sending, uh, I mean, Houston's sending out Clint Capella um, and Nene to Atlanta. Uh, Minnesota's getting Malik Beasley and uh, Juancho Hernan Gomez and Evan Turner. Mm-hmm. And uh, they're also, Minnesota, oh, it, it, reads, it, it reads really packed. So let me, <laughs> Minnesota gets all this. Malik Beasley, Juancho Hernan Gomez, Evan Turner. They got a first round pick from Atlanta via the Nets. Um, so that's what that's everything Minnesota's getting. That's that's quite a package. And then Denver is also in there, and they get Ger- uh, Gerald Green and uh, a Houston first round pick. That's like, isn't that like the biggest trade since the Patrick Ewing trade? Mm-hmm. Ever since the Patrick Ewing t- uh, trade, actually, I was I was trying to find that here. So uh, he, uh, Woj says uh, that this trade with twelve players involved in total is the biggest NBA deal since the uh, the Knicks moved Patrick Ewing to Seattle. Back, all the way back in 2000. 20 years. Mm-hmm. Jesus. And who would have thought that it would be the end of the Houston Rockets? Mm-hmm. And, <laughs> um, uh, I mean, there's a, there's a couple things I want to talk about this. First, uh, obviously, what's Minnesota doing here? It's pretty obvious. There's been They've been in the headlines for the last couple weeks. They want D'Angelo Russell from the Golden State Warriors. They want him to play alongside Carl Anthony Towns. 
they're 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 like best friends, Carl Anthony Townsend and uh, D'Angelo Russell, and along with mm-hmm. Devin Booker, they <clears throat> they go way back. Imagine if those three are on the same team. Holy! No, of course, of course, and they all are great. Um, they they would be insane. They would really like they're the chemistry between them, like friendship wise, is is I, I've seen so many videos with them, and and they go back. Um, but they've been trying to get him D'Angelo Russell. And they have their sights set on that, but I think the Warriors really want to sell high. Like they they are not just gonna give them up for anything. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean the Warriors, they they the first overall pick is kind of in their view right now, or at least top three pick. And uh, I think that's the course they're gonna take. They're gonna they're gonna not really tank this year, but they're they're gonna they're gonna get a top pick. They're hoping it's the first overall pick, and then they get a cheap star to play next year. When they get Steph Curry and Klay Thompson back in the lineup, and they they're they're competing again, and I, I think it makes sense why they're trying to sell high on D'Angelo Russell just because of the fact that they know that this is probably a one off, like mm-hmm. one off year, like they no one expected the Warriors like completely fall off a cliff, like oh the re, the, like, the the dynasty's over, like yeah, I mean Kevin Durant's gone, that's a huge loss for them, but like even with Steph Curry and Klay Thompson healthy, that's still a quality team that can make some noise in the Western Conference. So I get why they're trying to sell high on D'Angelo Russell because. They know that they can get quality pieces back, and next year they're going to try and compete again, especially with uh, the Lakers still doing their thing, the Clippers still doing their thing, the Nuggets as well. Mm-hmm. All, the list goes on. Yeah. I understand what their what their process is. I get why they're trying to sell high on it, but it, why why if you're the Minnesota Timberwolves who have not done anything of significance in the playoffs in basically your entire existence, why not go for it? Put exactly. yourself, put that team on the map, because like basically they haven't really done anything significant in pretty much their entire existence. Like, yeah, they had Kevin, Kevin Garnett for a while, but not, that didn't transpire to anything, and he ended up winning a title elsewhere. And I've seen so many different rumors flying around. Um, I mean, again, the Warriors is something we could talk about later, but um, main, focusing on uh, Minnesota, I've seen so many rumors flying around. Obviously, the Warriors are trying to sell high on D'Angelo, mm-hmm. and. Um, this is clearly not a trade to get rid of Robert Covington. This is a trade that the Warriors didn't just want Robert Covington plus. They want, you know, they want picks. They want they want um those kind of assets. Uh and I can see why. It's it, the, the Warriors need depth and it's probably best to find depth, cheap depth mm-hmm. in the first round of the uh of the draft. Yep. So uh I think that's the way they're going. And uh I honestly think uh, there, there, there's been rumors going around, and mm-hmm. I think I honestly think Andrew Wiggins could be traded. There's been so many reports about they've been discussing trade offers back and forth, and for D'Angelo Russell, and every single trade has included Andrew Wiggins. I mean, it makes sense. That's probably the best player that that the Golden State Warriors can get from the Minnesota mm-hmm. Timberwolves roster that Minnesota is willing to give up. Yeah. And uh, Andrew Andrew Wiggins is having a year this year though, so you know they're probably trying to sell him while his value is probably the highest it's been ever since mm-hmm. he was a rookie. Um, and I just don't know. I, I I do think he'd fit in. You know, in uh, Golden State, or um, you could sell him after after the year's over during the off season and uh, get some pieces. They back. very well could. They very well could. He's hard to move though. Oh yeah, I I get Minnesota seeing this as a way to get. You know, get out of Andrew Wiggins. Yeah, and his contract is very hard to move. And how much term is left on it? Like a few more years. And mm-hmm. but it's a lot of money. Andrew Wiggins is great, though. He's he's playing amazing right now. Like oh, really, he's picking he's picked it up. 
So if they are going to trade him, I can see why. It's, it's, his value is the highest it is. But, uh, again, the Warriors could uh, could possibly keep him. He could. I could see him working out with uh, Clay, and, Clay and Steph mainly. Absolutely. It can work. But um, a little more than I think D'Angelo is. But I think that's that's the move for Minnesota for sure. And I get why they're doing this this big trade going back to it, just because they're trying to clear some cap space and set the, mm-hmm. set the stage for and this And they need those assets because they know just – Robert Covington and Andrew Wiggins wouldn't have gotten it done. Yeah. So try to get that first round pick, package a couple of first round picks if you can. I mean, it's not even going to be a great first round pick because like the Nets are uh, f- vying for a playoff spot. Mm-hmm. Even if they don't make the playoffs, that's still middle of the pack. It's not bad. I think that'd be something the Warriors would be interested in because like you you addition it to the first like the top top five pick, which is most likely going to be that's a quality uh, draft haul you're going to get, and you could really like. Get some nice quality pieces uh, for 2020, 2021. 100%. But I think the one thing that, that really boggles my mind is why the Houston Rockets would Houston. decide to move Clint Capella, a quality young player, very underrated, I would say. Why would you, why, that's the kind of player you keep, not trade away to a team, to a, to a team that's still rebuilding in the 100%. Atlanta Hawks. And, and let's just remember the only thing they got out of this trade was Robert Covington. And that's it. Mm hmm. That's and I don't know, like Atlanta's getting a Atlanta's getting a good player in Clint Capella, um, and I just don't get. It. I don't know what direction Houston is trying to move towards right now. Are they trying to contend for a championship? Are they just trying to contend for a playoff spot right now? Are they looking towards the future? Again, Clint Capella is pretty young too, so I don't even get that. I I really don't know. It was working out in Houston. Maybe they just wanted to shake up. I don't really know. It's not really much of a shakeup. The kind that's the kind of player, like I said, you'd want to keep for the long haul because Clint Capella is young enough that you can build around the team. And like, if if the Rockets decide, okay, this is just not going to work out with who we have, we just move out these these guys, get quality assets in return, we keep the younger players mm. around for the for the rebuild, quote unquote. Like it doesn't make much sense to me. Like it's like I guess like I said, I'm going to repeat myself one last time. Clint Capella is the, the exact kind of player you don't move, especially I mean, to a team that's rebuilding. Let's be real. Houston's been the biggest question mark of the season ever since they picked up Russell Westbrook. I really didn't. That was the first trade I was like, you know, we didn't know if it worked. And clearly, it's not working to how they mm-hmm. expected it to be. But I think everyone was like, how are these two going to work together? Like, they're both primary ball handlers, primary shooters, basically. And and we know that those they, their play styles wouldn't really work together. That was the first question mark, and now the Houston just, I don't know, the season is really a big question mark with Houston. We'll have to see how that turns out. It'll be interesting for sure, yeah, because like Houston, was like you said, they, they had an interesting dynamic going into the year, and now it's like it's, it's proven that when you have two ball-dominant players playing on the court, it's just hard for both of them to play to a style that makes both of them happy consistently because one of them's going to get more shots than the other on a given night, and that's going to change from game to game. You just can't have that dynamic work. One of those players wants to have their ball in their hand 99% of the time. And I think that that's really the only way you're going to make that work is if one of them's gone. Mm-hmm. And I think it's unfortunate because I know they're really good friends from their days in Oklahoma City. But I think it's pretty clear that the move just is, has not worked out. 100%. I mean, hey, and Clint Capel is going to be in uh, Atlanta now. They finally got that, uh, I guess, that extra piece to play alongside uh, John Collins and, uh, and Trey Young. Trey Young. That's a they have a nice thing going there. I think they just need one more draft pick, like like to add to their core. Like what do they have? Hey, they, I mean they're vying for a lottery pick right now. 
Like, what do they need? A point guard or a small forward? Because I, I don't know if Trey. I think Trey's a shooter. Trey Young is a point. Oh, okay. So they probably need a a shooting guard or a small forward, one of those two. Because yeah. I think that once you get those, your your team is basically set. And the Hawks could com- start competing as early as next year. Yeah, they they definitely can. And I think that that's a really good, especially in the Eastern Conference, which is uh, very uh, weak, like in terms of just overall depth. Like, cause like look at the the seventh and eighth seed, they're insane. So two of them are like close to five hundred. Like how that's how how's that even possible? And and Atlanta really needs. I think they they, they just need probably another guard or someone who can play guard or uh, small forward really. Mm-hmm. Um, and this draft is looking like like they're 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 last place right now. Mm-hmm. If they finish like that, they they can get anywhere between one and four, but they'd still be safe. And especially if they get the first pick, if if Golden State doesn't get the first pick, Anthony Edwards is an option. Um, Lamelo Ball, of course, he's a point guard, but he's he's six foot seven. You can easily turn him into a uh, shooting guard, or even a small forward. Even a small forward, yeah. Just, we're we're really in the era of positionless basketball as well, where um, they can move him around. They can definitely convert him. I just hope Lamelo Ball doesn't end up on the Knicks. I don't either. I, he's actually <laughs> Lamelo Ball. I've been following him like, yeah, since high school. Um, since he was in high school, because. Uh, I love Lonzo Ball in in uh, college. He was insane in college. Mm-hmm. Too bad he didn't really pick it up. Now he's picking up. So I'll always be you know kind of hoping that he, you know, reaches his potential. Lamelo Ball though he 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 didn't have the you know the, there's there's no big question mark about his form. The biggest question mark was about his defense, but he's starting to mature with that. It's mainly his maturity, but he's definitely matured this year, especially playing, you know, in Australia. But mm-hmm. side note, yeah. I think uh, Lamelo Ball, Lamelo Ball is going to be really good. I don't want to see him on the Knicks. <laughs> I don't think anybody wants to see the and Knicks draft any quality. Players. I actually think he'll be better than Lonzo. I actually think he'll be a better. Only player. because of the fact that the Knicks are just a tire fire organization right now with Jim James Dolan uh, having such big control on the team. It's it's absolutely ridiculous. We've said this many times in the past, like in just in conversation. The Knicks will be a much better organization if Dolan just steps back, because there's no way he's going to sell the team. And I don't think that he's that he plans on doing it anytime soon. Mm-hmm. If he just takes a step back and just lets the Knicks run the organization the way they should be, like he's doing with the New York Rangers, I think they could be in a much better spot. And I didn't even, you you were telling me this right before. I didn't even know he owned the New York Rangers. Yeah, I learned that recently too. I was very surprised by that. But then again, it makes sense. James Dolan's not really a big hockey guy, so of course he would not know what he would be doing if he was running the New York Rangers. And I think that they'd be in the same situation that the the Knicks are in. Of course, and we're we're gonna get into that really quickly. But oh, we will. I want to move into the NBA. I mean, the trade deadline's tomorrow, so I just want to move into the NBA in general. Yeah, yeah, of um, course. I guess the Toronto Raptors will obviously start. Not much going on. They're winning games. You know, they're the, they're the hottest team in the NBA right now. They could go um, to twelve games after they, they tonight. They very well could. Um, everyone's playing good, um, and I don't have much to, you know, no complaints about the the, the Raptors. Uh, but how does this really change the uh, the trade deadline? I feel like they should still make a move, even though the team is playing really well right now, because every team goes through their hills and valleys. Like, that's just the wave of, of sports would you, in Would general. you want them to pick up depth? Or would you want them to get, in, you know, that extra piece that can kind of boost them forward? You want you Do you want to go for it this year? If you were a Maasai, what, what, what would you you know be thinking about i just i just really think that you have to keep a keep a get a player that would just fill up your depth but also a player that can eventually transition to a starter role in the future because i think the raptors should be thinking 
both short ter- short and long term. So you wouldn't want them going for you know, um, Bradley Beal or anything. Like, like if that. you can get Bradley Beal, of course you'd make that move. But I don't think the they Wizards should be shopping for Bradley Beal. Yeah, exactly. I get that. That's and that's what I'm saying. But at the same time, you have to keep in mind that uh, the team is going to be going through a transition phase soon. And I think their eyes are set on 2021 when, like, the likes of Giannis are uh, on on the free agency pool. So I think that they have to keep that in mind as well. So they can't be too, like, spending too much. But at the same time, if a move comes up and is too good to pass up, you pull the trigger. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, that's exactly what I think. I, don't, I, I honestly think the Raptors are in a very good position right now. If anything, add on depth. Everyone used to talk about, hey, what if they picked up that one, you know, one more piece, you know, Bradley Beal, like a player like that, Andre Drummond. They've been shopping. I don't want Andre Drummond. Um, but mm-hmm. by how we've seen the Raptors play, how we've seen Nick Nurse adapt to pretty much every situation, um, I'm not afraid that the Raptors could even go far. I don't. I honestly think they could go far in the playoffs mm-hmm. just by how, again, how smart Nick Nurse is right now. Uh, he adapts so well, and I don't, I don't see, you know, what the Raptors match up against the Bucks, so uh, he'll he'll figure out someone to 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 guard Giannis, just like he did last mm-hmm. last season, last playoffs, when he switched to Kawhi, everything changed, and he he's, he adapted that way. He he doesn't want to always keep the line at the same if something's not working. Exactly, you need to have a coach like that, especially in basketball where things change, and now there's like positionless basketball is becoming the name of the game. Mm-hmm. I think you need to have that adaptability. The only thing though that's going to be the big question mark is who's going to be the big game breaker on the Raptors because. Yes, Siakam has done it in, in spurts, but we still haven't seen him do it consistently enough that you can oh, confidently. You're saying who's going to be the finals MVP? <laughs> well, I mean, I'm just saying, like, because, like, in every basketball team, they always have to have one game breaker. Last year, it was most definitely Kawhi, Kawhi Leonard. Leonard. But, I mean, we, we, I like yeah. to think that it's, it's, it's Siakam. It's going to have to be Siakam. It should be Siakam, but he hasn't done enough that I can confidently say, oh, yeah, he's the guy. That's where I feel like you would want, like, a Bradley Beal type who's got a lot to prove. He's got a lot to prove, he's got a lot of talent. Adding him onto a Raptors team, I actually think it would be it would be great. He's he has a lot to prove. It's it sounds like he's ready to just break out right now. Mm-hmm. Put him on a good team. Let's see what he can do in the playoffs. But for now, it's gonna have to be Pascal Siakam unless Kyle Lowry wants to break out. Or or even Fred Van Fleet. Even Fred Van Vliet. Yep, the Raptors definitely need someone like that. But again, stay put unless the offer presents itself. Um I'd go for depth though. You yeah. know, they've wrapped Injuries have been the story of the season for the Raptors. If you can make a trade that kind of increases the bench depth, um, you know, players that are more border, you know, bench or starter, someone you could slot in if your starter gets injured, definitely mm-hmm. something the Raptors should be looking for. And if they do have to make a trade for something like that, who, what player would you move out? Like, uh, if you have to give up a roster player, that would obviously, I want to keep Gasol this season because I think we've seen how important he is. Um, but even though he's he's injured. He just got injured, and the Raptors have been fine. But I think uh, playoffs is when he's, you know, the most important. Yeah. So the Raptors should definitely keep him. Serge Ibaka, I think he's the hottest name for the on the uh, trade market in terms of the Raptors. It's tough because I don't know if you saw the clip where uh, OG Ananobi and Serge Ibaka was uh, talking fashion. They were <laughs> yes. talking fashion and joking around. It was hilarious. Yeah, I saw that. Um. Where was, there was a video of him saying, what's the first word that comes to mind, OG? Spaghetti. <laughs> <laughs> what? All I could think about during that, and like obviously with this cooking show and all these things he does with his other teammates, 
just all these videos we see in open gym. Sergi Baca is, he's like the glue guy. I really think that he's he's one of those players that everyone loves in the dressing room. He, I honestly think he plays a big role in terms of their chemistry. Mm -hmm. um, he is he's like the glue guy. You think of the Raptors, and he's like the glue guy. And yeah, he would be the first to you know be traded. But I don't know. I don't want to mess with the chemistry. If he really is that important to the chemistry, we can't tell. But when we watch these videos, when we see in interviews, uh, when we see these guys hang out and talk and stuff, you can tell he's important to the chemistry. Yeah, I don't want to interrupt anything. Like and that. he's young enough that you can you can stick with him for a number of years. Like, but I but I get why from a basketball standpoint you'd want to move him because he's the youngest. Like uh, again, but he, and he's also got some decent value. You can get something quality in return. But that's but, why because he has some decent value right now before it you know it starts to decline. Yeah, exactly. I think it's a really tough spot for the Raptors to be in. I've said in the past that they should move him, but I think it also makes just as much sense for them to keep him because he's uh, just as valuable from an emotional standpoint and just being like. Uh, the emotional leader of this team from just just being the guy that just gets everyone together and shares He's, a good laugh and I'd love down. to say he is the the heart of the team and the way of the chemistry unfolds. He's the heart like he's he's he is the guy who kind of keeps them motivated. He's the guy who kind of is lighthearted. Mm -hmm. He talks uh to the media well. He's a very open guy. Um, it's just one of those players that you kind of need on a team, you know. Mm -hmm. Um, I don't know because. Maybe it's partially because the, the Raptors have been playing so well. It's like you can't find a hole in their game, right? Exactly. So it's it's almost like when you start identifying these little, you know, pieces of the, the whole machine, you don't want to really mess with anything in there. So, yeah, that's that's why I think ultimately if the Raptors are going to make a move, it's just going to be for death pieces. But at the same time, they shouldn't just make a move for the sake of it because, yeah, they're doing really well. And even if they lose tonight, who cares? They're a really good team built the way they are. They're a top. They're guaranteed to finish in the top three, at worst top four. Mm -hmm. Like remember when people used to think that they would be like, oh yeah, like six, they're seventh in the East. They may even make five hundred, <laughs> have a five hundred record and just barely sneak in. Oh, the good Man. old days of uh, October. No, that was terrible. October, <laughs> September, October, or right, right after Kawhi left, July sixth. People were already talking about how bad the Raptors would be. Yep, but uh. I mean, I guess we'll just trust in Masai. As long as Masai stays for the long haul, of Speaking course. of Masai, that's, that, that brings us to our next topic. The New York um, Knicks. Mm -hmm. I mean, both both Masai and the Knicks. But the Knicks uh, relieved their president, um, I believe, yesterday. Yes, yesterday, he did. They on did. Tuesday. And, uh, of course, right away, the reports are coming out that uh, Masai Ujiri is, candidate, is, is the target candidate for the Knicks. Not the first time that that has come out, mm -hmm, but I feel like I feel like we hear it, and then a couple of months pass by, and it comes back again, and then a couple of months come pass by, and then it's a story again. <laughs> I just think there's like a small conspiracy theory to just rob the Toronto Raptors of all their success because they've been all doing happiness. so well. It's like, oh, we can't have Canadian team doing oh, well. Hey, yeah, I mean, hey, we just have we have a superstar player. Oh no, he's gone too. Oh, we just won a championship. Oh no! Uh, now your now your GM's. I mean your president's gone. <laughs> oh wait, but you still have the greatest player in franchise history. Oh wait, he retired. <laughs> oh wait, now you got a rising, st a, a most improved player and soon to be MVP candidate. Oh wait, he's gone. I mean, there's a lot to unpack here, but uh, I mean, basically, we've been hearing reporting from Woj, from Mark Stein, especially what Mark Stein. Um, I was trying to find the uh, 
I know I know he said it, but I just wanted to find the exact tweet. But basically, he has uh, you know he has a few, I guess insiders very close to uh, Masai. I guess Masai, I think he called them like Masai listeners or something like that mm-hmm. that he trusts, um, and saying that Masai was uh, kind of interested in in the idea of going to New York. Don't know how true that is. We'll just have to see because again. When these reports came out earlier in the season, beginning of the season, Masai Ujiri specifically said his heart is here in Toronto. He's, he wants to stay here. Yeah. But we keep, I mean, it keeps coming up for a reason. This this topic keeps coming up for a reason. There must be some truth to it. And that's what, I guess, kind of scares me most. I think that it also could just be they're driving a narrative. Because remember, New York City basketball has not really experienced anything noteworthy in a very long time. We all, we obviously know that the Knicks have not won a championship since 1973. The Brooklyn Nets, that like just the fact that they got KD and Kyrie this past summer was probably the most noteworthy thing in, in New York basketball since Carmelo Anthony was on the Knicks. Of course. And then even They're desperate. It makes me think of the Leafs in 2015. <laughs> the Leafs sucked in 2015. Yeah. And I mean the Leafs are one of the biggest fan bases, I guess. Every every news is news here. Exactly. Uh, in Toronto and it's just when I guess again when there's nothing going on you got to make everything go on I remember hey Stamkos is coming to Toronto that was the, it's happening that was the big news um and then yeah. uh, I mean Tavares is coming and I mean he did come but how how long was that written like three years like like basically as soon as uh, Tavares' contract was halfway over it's like oh it's basically guaranteed that uh, Tavares is coming and I, I think it's the same with uh New York hey they were saying for how long Kyrie and Kevin Durant will come to New York. They didn't come. I mean, they did come to New York, just not I mean, the part not of the New York. Knicks, they- not the Knicks. Uh, when LeBron was leaving uh, Cleveland the first time, New York Knicks were one of the options. Like that, were that everyone said that uh, he might consider, or but he then was he, considering. But then he took his talents to South Beach. South Beach, and then uh, again, I feel like this could be one of the those things. You know, uh, they always want to create the narrative. And uh, Masai Ujiri obviously is the best president in the NBA. He knows how to lead a team. Yeah. Um, and obviously they're going to try to target if, if 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 there's an opportunity to make the narrative that someone whose contract, someone big whose contract is expiring, who yeah. can go anywhere. Um, there's always going to be that narrative that they can go to the Knicks. Exactly. Yeah. But then remember, remember was it just after the NBA the, the Raps won the championship last year that. Oh, reports are coming out that the Wizards are interested in Masai. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like, it's like literally... Everyone wants Masai. Everyone wants Masai, and I get it. Like, because he's built this team in an unorthodox everyone way. Everyone wants LeBron James, too. Everyone wanted Michael Jordan, but it's not going to happen. Everybody wants Kawhi, but Kawhi had his heart set on the Clippers the entire time. Mm-hmm. Literally, every NBA team can say what they want, but it's not going to happen unless the once the people, the most important people involved, make the decision. And I don't think... Masai is going to just lee up and leave the Raptors, especially in the state that they're in. They're, do, you think, do you think there's any chance he, he leaves? Listen, I get the money is a big factor, but he's making a lot of money already in Toronto. The only thing that I could see him being like motive interested, even sparsely interested in joining the Knicks, is because just the idea of fixing the New York Knicks is just something that every NBA executive deep down is like, hey, if I fix the New York Knicks, I'm going to be a legend in that city. Of course, and and... Yeah, it it, it kind of goes back to that, you know. One, it's a legendary franchise. Two, it's a, it's a challenge, and I think, uh, I mean, as a president or a GM, you know, a manager, um, you know, yeah, you get job security if your team's you know stacked or your team's uh, a competitive team every year. Mm-hmm. But 
I, I, I'm sure they feel somewhat of a, it's almost like you do it cause it's fun. You love it. And, mm -hmm. uh, you want to, you know, challenge yourself even sometimes once you won a championship, once you've shown, you know, Cy probably thinks I can make a, a team into a contender. Like I did it here in Toronto and, but Toronto's doing, they're in a good position right now. I set them up, exactly. you know, do I want to challenge myself somewhere else? Look, New York's kind of a dumpster fire. But how would it, yeah how crazy would it be if I could uh, turn that team into you know it's a part, championship? It's part of why I remember when Mike Babcock first came to Toronto. Part of what desired interested him in coming is because of the idea that he could fix the Toronto Maple Leafs and make them a, a historic Stanley Cup franchise. A historic it's, franchise. When you're an historic franchise that's been struggling for a long time, and you have an executive that fixes everything, like I get it. Everyone wants to be the hero. Exactly. Of course. And I think that that's probably the only thing that I could possibly see as why Masai would be even vaguely interested in joining the next. But again, it's only, I only will believe it until when it actually happens. And right now, it's all just smokes and just uh, just talk. Okay. I don't believe until I see it. Mm -hmm. And how about that? Uh, do you remember that video where... Uh, <laughs> where oh, uh, yeah. I think I know the one you're talking <laughs> about. Where Masai Ujiri basically says he hates the Knicks. <laughs> um, we could, we could, uh, you know what? Let's play the clip right here, and we'll, we'll show you guys what we're talking about. I naturally, uh, and please clap after this. I hate the Knicks and yes. don't yes. care. Are you really? <laughs> Me too. <laughs> but yeah, <laughs> I mean, that was back in 2015, I believe. And uh, I don't know how true that is. T to be honest, the, the Knicks are in a worse position right now than they were in 2015, I would say. Um, or at least they, they seem worse. Do they seem worse, or are they just the exact same situation really? they've been in since uh, 1999? So I'm just wondering, like, what changed? Like, do you think anything changed about that, or does Masai still hate the Knicks? We'll have to see. We'll see. If, if he does decide to join the Knicks, I swear to you, everyone's going to be posting that video. Like, for as long as everyone's they live. already posting it. I mean, remember <laughs> when Charlie, Ma Charlie McAvoy joined the uh, Boston, was drafted by the Bruins? Like, everything that everyone sh would never shut up about was the fact that he hated the, he tweeted, the, mm -hmm. I hate the Bruins. And now he's on the Bruins. But you can't choose that. That's not a choice. Oh, exactly. Yeah, exactly. But like I'm saying, like those kind of things will, will <laughs> It'll always... come back. Exactly. Um, we'll move into the NHL now. We'll move into hockey. Um, the Leafs. And honestly, I just want to let you kind of take over here because, I mean, I want to start with Cody Cece, but I know you especially have very strong feelings about Cody Cece. I do too, but yeah. I think yours just overpowers me right now. Well. Um, <laughs> I mean, the Leafs basically blew it against the Panthers blew it is um, an understatement <laughs> I don't even have a word other than that but yeah like they blew it times 10 um, against the Panthers and it was just a, it was a terrible it was a terrible honestly it was a terrible you know second half of the game um, and uh, I mean I might I might as well mention that Frederick Anderson also went down to that game and we'll get to we'll get to that soon but Cody CC was kind of the the uh, story of the game, so uh, I want you to I want you to let it out here. I'm just gonna go straight into it. Listen, you're up three to one against the Florida Panthers team that was without their best player in Alexander Barkov. You were playing extremely well, dominating the possession, and the Panthers barely had anything going. That game should not have ended with a defenseman getting his first career hat trick and the Leafs losing two valuable points in the standings. That was a gimme game. And they just threw it away. It was a four-point game. It was there was a lot on the line, and uh, the Leafs just let it slip away. I, I literally don't have any um, anything to say. Obviously, you know when Florida scored first, um, you know 
I, I was I was a little down because again our last uh, the the Leafs last game against the uh, Florida Panthers did not go did not go well at all. Yeah, but the Leafs started coming back and uh, they scored three goals, and it honestly seemed like the game was in the bag because they were dominating, absolutely dominating, and then everything just went downhill. Exactly. And what does this like, Cody Cece? What do we do with Cody Cece? I think the the Cody Cece experiment should have ended a long time ago. I, I think, think it's pretty clear. The first 15 games. I think they should have never even signed him in the first place. The, I think, like, we know the, the reason why he's here. The only reason he's here is because they had to get rid of Nikita Zaitsev's arbitrage of it, a contract. Do you want Zaitsev for four years or do you want him for one year? That's, that's, that's actually I think, what it was. I totally agree with, like, they, they did the right thing by getting rid of Zaitsev's contract because I would not want that on the team long term. Having said that, Zaitsev was, was, was bad, but I couldn't have foreseen Cody Ceci being much worse. I mean, I knew that he was having a rough time in Ottawa in the last couple of years, but oh my god. I I've, I want to like this guy, but every time it's just become harder and harder to. It's just ridiculous at this point that the Leafs are continuing to play him over 20 minutes a game. They're trying to boost his spirits, but he just can't do any like he can't for the life of him defend consistently in his own end. Yeah, and you know, I even I'm thinking like I mean, we know Sheldon keeps the the people's coach. Um, but after the game, he didn't have any harsh criticism over him. He actually said something. I don't have the exact wording, but he said something along the lines of, you know, he's been consistent. Consistent is, <laughs> consistent I mean, he's not wrong. <laughs> but um, I don't know. I, I know, again, keeps the people's coach. He's probably trying to, you know, bring his confidence up, things like that. But at this point, if, if he's not playing well, you don't play him. You don't give him 20 plus minutes. I mean, why? Like, I would much rather play Martin Marincin over Cody Ceci at this would point. Too. Like, I, it's ridiculous that they continue to trust him and that have Lilia Grin there in the minors playing exceptionally well. I mean, he only played one game with the Leafs just before the All Star break. I would play break. him. I just jump him in. If, yeah, if Sandine's playing this well, um, I could see Tim Timothy Lilligren picking it up. Give him, give him some time. Just give him some time in the in the bigs. And I know why they're giving Cody Cece high praise because they know that he's bad and they're just trying to up his spirits. And like, if they're, if they're going to move him, which I think they should be doing as, as ASAP, like, like they want to make other teams like, Ooh, look at this guy. He's like, he's highly regarded by the team. Like we got to give up quality pieces for him. And some GM's going to think, duh, I'm going to get Cody Cece. Mm-hmm. And I want to jump from that into the trade deadline talk for the Leafs. Mm-hmm. Um, first I want to talk about, yeah, Cody Cece. So like, how what did the Leafs do with him and how are they gonna how do you think they're gonna play you know play with him in the trade deadline well like I said you just have to make sure that you sell Cody like make advertise Cody CC as an attractive piece because you cannot make it obvious that he's bad I mean everybody in the fan base knows that he's bad and I think they're all they all want him gone I I'm with I'm in the same mindset although I'm, I'm trying to be more respectful because like I'd want to like him but it's just hard to but like I said, you cannot have Cody Cece heading into the playoffs. The only thing you can really do is just ride him out until the trade deadline, find a team that's willing to eat up his salary, and get something back in return. You have you might have to package up Cody Cece to get the piece you want, or you may just just have to just dump his salary somewhere. It's easy when you it's easy when you put it that way, but I think the hardest part is finding a team who even wants that. <laughs> exactly, yeah, that's really the only thing. Like, what team would actually want to take on Cody Cece's salary mm-hmm. for the rest of the year? Even at a retained rate, I would rather just retain They would have to salary. bundle him with someone like Casper Captain. Exactly, yeah. I think that's really the point that we're at at this point. Just write him out. But you can't keep him past the deadline, I think. Mm-hmm. 
And uh, I mean, moving on with uh, the trade deadline talk, uh, Frederick Anderson is out. The Leafs can't throw the season away. No. Not when you have $40 million tied up in four players. <laughs> and they've been playing so well under Sheldon They Keefe. have been. And this is a huge blow to the Toronto Maple Leafs because this changes everything. Because, I mean, just to start, like, we just for the last couple of weeks, we were talking about the Leafs need a backup goalie. Mm-hmm. The Leafs need to trade for a backup goalie. They just need someone who's better than Hutchinson. You know, Anderson could still take over the take over most of the games. But now, now the Leafs have to pick up someone who can also start for them. For yeah. the time being. And where do the Leafs go from here? I think, I mean, I I hate to say it because the New York Rangers have already been, you know, driving a hard bargain for Gorgiev. Mm-hmm. But I think now is the time where the Leafs might just have to pull the trigger. They might just have to. I think it just makes too much sense. And you can't even wait because these upcoming games are very precious. They're very valuable. You can't just throw them away. Exactly. Um, I like it's it's a tough situation because you can't wait till the trade deadline. You have to make a, a trade sooner or later. They, the Leafs have to make one if they want to keep their season alive. I think goalie is basically the top priority of the Toronto Maple mm-hmm. Leafs this year. I mean, you can upgrade the defense. You can make an upgrade of the forwards to get a guy like Blake Coleman. Here I go again with Blake Coleman. But at the end of the day, if you don't have a goalie or backup goalie that can stop pucks enough that you can uh, be confident going into each and every game, you're not going to win games. Hockey, you live and die by your goalie. That's just the reality of it. And the Leafs lately have not been getting enough out of it, not only from their backup goalie, but from Anderson too. Like, he has stretches where he's looked shaky. And Hutchinson, like, even when we're not talking about him playing in starts, during games where he comes in relief, he struggles mightily. You need to have somebody. You need to have a goalie. I think goalie is probably the top priority at this point. But don't make it seem like you're desperate to get a goalie because then other teams are going to recognize that. And they're going to say, mm. well, we're, you want a goalie, eh? That badly, up. huh? They're going to, dri- yeah, they're going to drive the price up and they're going to throw you uh, an anchor. Don't make it seem like you're desperate for a goalie. But at this point, I feel like other teams already know that. Because, I mean, if you're calling up the New York Rangers, you know, asking for Gorgiev right now, and they're like, oh, well, you don't have Frederick Anderson right now. I'm going to, you know, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to drive the price a little. Everyone knows Frederick Anderson's out. Everyone knows the Toronto Maple Leafs uh, situation. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. I I do think that it and it's different now. It changes everything because I used to be high on the Ryan Miller, you know, wagon, because I thought the Leafs just needed a, uh, you know, a, another backup, a, a, a solid backup. Mm-hmm. But that's not the case anymore. It, they really need someone who can play starter as well. And that one B is basically the only goal kind of goalie they can that's get. One A, one B is the tandem they need. And I get why Gergiev was the target from before. It totally makes sense now. And now it's just. A terrible situation. Now it's just things just got worse. And I, but but here's a good thing. Anderson doesn't look like he's going to be out for a while. My guess is that they only are keeping him out for precautionary reasons. And think about it this way: the next most important game on the schedule is on Saturday night against the Montreal Canadiens. He he didn't travel to New York, uh, which is fine because like they're going yeah. to New York and coming back. Mm-hmm. The most important game right now this week is the Montreal Canadiens game, and Montreal is starting to heat up. Mm-hmm. That's a game that you absolutely need to win. Mm-hmm. Ilya Kovalchuk Kovalchuk's playing well He's been playing well And I mean side note I don't know what they're going to do with him You think they're going to trade him? If you if you find the right piece to, to That's, that's uh, it's too good to pass up Absolutely I don't know the because We know how inconsistent Ilya Kovalchuk's been Yeah And I think he just has He's just fitting in with Montreal that well um, That he's been able to be hot But 
that's 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 the thing. I think it's more to how he fits in Montreal. Um, that if I'm any other team, I wouldn't really pick. I wouldn't really spend a lot on him because I don't know how he's gonna fit on my team because he's been so inconsistent. But also, he's making so little money, and I think that mm. that's what he just motivated to try and just say, "Hey, of I can still play." And I think he's doing that in Montreal. It's a low. It's a low risk, but it's like, do you even take that risk? You know. Well, yeah, it's a low risk, high reward situation, and I think for Montreal. You can get something quality back it's, from him. But it's only low risk if you can get him at a cheap price. Exactly, yeah. And that's what I'm saying. At the end of the day, if you can find that piece and Montreal's willing to do it, then yeah, you pull the trigger. Mm. But I get why they'd probably want to keep him because he's actually being a good presence in the locker room. And yeah. he's actually been playing decent for them. Like, didn't you see, like, after the Devils game, he just shushed the crowd? Mm-hmm. That was yep. great. I saw that. That was great. Um, but, yeah, I mean, back to the goalie situation in Toronto. Um, I guess we'll just have to see. Um, I honestly don't. I don't have any other ideas except for Gorgiev. I, I've seen, I've seen a tweet about, you know, hey, what about would the Leafs take? Uh, who who says no if the if, uh, the Leafs trade? You know, whatever. I forgot what it was, but for Jonathan Quick at retained salary. <sighs> nope. No. Even at retained salary, I don't think the Leafs should. Yeah, that. that's just a hard no for me. I mean, maybe the only other option would there's, be Jake Allen on yeah, the. Yeah, there's Louis not. A, there's not a lot of names to be thrown out. Like I was saying, Jake Allen would probably make sense because the Blues are very content with sticking with Jordan Bennington for the foreseeable future. And Allen just, just lost his uh, spot. Maybe if he goes as 1B in Toronto, that mm-hmm. could work. If if it works, if the price is fine. I, I just don't know what the Blues would want for him if they even want to move him. Mm-hmm. That's just one option I just thought of right now. Yeah, for sure. Um, I think we'll wrap up uh, this episode soon, but we want to talk about football. Yes, because the Super Bowl just happened this past weekend. Uh, great game, by the way, especially if you're a fan of the Kansas City Chiefs. First mm-hmm. of all, I wanted to congratulate the fans for uh, seeing their team finally get it done after 50 years of turmoil. Oh, man, it was great. I can't, and, like, it just makes you think about how, how it'll be when the Leafs, you know, end their drought. And Andy Reid, too. Andy Reid, the, the, the longest-tenured coach who had yet to win a Super Bowl ring. Mm-hmm. He deserved it too. I really like that team. Mm-hmm. I, I I totally get why you were so high on the, on the Chiefs. I was. They they. I mean, they looked great all season. They looked great all playoffs. And uh, I won't lie. Like it did look like the Niners were going to take it. But what a comeback that the the Chiefs led. And that was the third comeback of the postseason for them. All three games, they were down by a certain number of points, and they they found a way to win. Mm-hmm. That's the kind of team you need to have, especially in the playoffs, because it's a one or done. So, uh, I mean, yeah, the Super Bowl was great. Um, I know you wanted to talk a little. Uh, it's, it's not really my thing, but I know you wanted to talk a little about the, about, a bit about the XFL. Yes, the XFL is starting up this weekend, so football is not done, even though the Super Bowl just happened. I get why NFL fans are like, oh, I need a break from football. It's too much. But a new league is forming up, the XFL. Obviously, this is a completely different version than the last time they did it back in, uh, I want to say, 99 or 2000. Let me just—I think we'll just do a quick debate. Do you think this version of the XFL is going to survive? Um, I don't think so. You know, I feel like it's like when you start up another product of every of a sport that's already been, you know, historically dominated as that league and that sport. I don't think you can just make another, you know, you know, another side, <laughs> another side league for it. You know, I think everyone. I think the NFL has established itself as football as the premier destination for uh football Mm -hmm. and i mean hey it's a little nice thing people could uh pay attention to in uh you know in the off season yeah but no like 
the, the, the premier talent is in the NFL. Um, and it's just not going to be the same. And it, it's definitely going to be different. And But I don't think it'll last that long because you don't have – it's not the premier league. I'm, I'm skeptical of how long it's going to last too. But I, also, I do think that it can last beyond – just one season because that's how long the oh i think it'll last longer than one season i think it'll last a few seasons but uh, i think it's i don't think it's like a it'll be i don't think it'll it'll survive like a long time you know we'll see i i do think that i don't think it'll be a regular thing if they just treat it like a good old football league during the spring when there's no other football to watch i think you can make something out of it and i think because a lot of football fans like think about how long the the time difference is between when the Super Bowl uh, ends and when the NFL preseason begins, that's Feb- February, March, April, May, June, July. Seven months without football. For our football fans, that's like insanity. Just mm-hmm. having to think about that. And that's why I think it's good that they're capitalizing on that off-season timing because it gives uh, fans, like I guess, something to watch. But again, I just think it's, they're going to see it as – I mean, football fans are going to see it as NFL's over. I have like something else to watch, but it's not really my primary – fix of football mm-hmm. we'll see how it goes I'm, I'm very excited to watch the first games this weekend it'll just see what, what the difference is between this version of football and the last one but i think the good thing is that these are college players that are coming into the, the former college players like just from this past year and as long as the quality on the field is good enough i think it can survive past a couple seasons mm-hmm. and it's interesting i mean this is a talk that'll happen in the future but if they do somehow survive you know a long time you know i'm talking like over seven years then when do we end the discussion about, you know, do our players going to opt out to go to the XFL over the NFL? Or, like, again, how long would that take? I mean, that's that's just – we're not even at that point yet. But I'm saying mm-hmm. that's in, like, 10-plus years, right? Or maybe you could, maybe NFL players can use it as an opportunity to continue to play, like, during uh, downtime. Mm, that too. We'll, we'll see what happens. I'll be very I'll be very excited to see how this, this season goes for them. Of course. So, um, I mean, that was, that was a great episode. Um, we'll wrap it up here. Let's just give our social medias before we head out. You can follow me on Twitter mm-hmm. at the Leafs IMO. I've been pretty active lately and uh, just started a TikTok account, which is what the kids do these days, mm-hmm. I guess. Mm-hmm. Go watch his TikTok. Uh, what is this? Is it the same? It's uh, one of Zach Hyman, I believe. No, I mean, is your is your at the same? It's at the Leafs IM and then zero they instead of o, o because they o they, they they need they need numbers. So I have oh, to find you have to have a number in there. Get have a number okay. in there somehow. Um, and I mean, you can follow me just on Twitter. Maybe I'll jump on TikTok, but right now, no. Um, you can follow <laughs> me on Twitter at um, Matt underscore Rodrigo underscore. And uh, yeah, that was our episode. Thanks for listening. Uh, we'll be back next week. Hopefully, we have something special good for you guys, but we always do. Come on. Of course, of course. Um, yep, thanks for listening. I'll see you guys next week. See you guys.